kids. Today is March 17th, 2021. Today I became a father. It is one of the most prolific days of my life. Growing up, I always loved being around babies. I think because my dad loved being around babies. My dad always worked in the nursery at church. He was like the one man. And if you guys remember my dad, um, Papa, as he likes to be called, he uh, he was never a small guy. He was always this big, kind of like a macho, you know, six foot tall, 240 pounds or more or less. And, and it seemed like such an oxymoron for a man like that to be like, to, to just love babies. But he did, so I did. You, know, you learn what you see. And... Unfortunately, no one let little boys hold little babies. And I, having children, I, I guess I kind of understand that, but, but, uh, so I, I always liked babies. And I, when I was 11, my oldest sister gave birth for the first time, and I became an uncle, and I was so happy, and I think I, so happy I cried. Here's a joy. And my other older sisters started having a bunch of kids. All together they had um, 10, no, 4, 3, and 3. Yeah, 10. So I have 10 nieces and nephews just for my three older sisters. None of my nieces or nephews were, like favored me though. They, I didn't have a special relationship with them. I always thought that I would, at least growing up. I, I mean, I, I kind of do now. Some of them, I mean, I reach out, but but you know, growing up, you, you see these babies want, like my my other sister, you know, or the other one, or they want to stay away from me because I, I was still like a little kid when I when I was being when I was an uncle, you know, a young uncle. So I always, like, had this wish and want that, to have children of my own who loved me. And I know this is really selfish, but who favored me. Now, uh, skip forward many years. I date your mom for seven years. We get married, and we wait another seven years and start having kids. And, and you know, um, nothing can get you ready for the moment you look into your child's eyes for the first time. It will nothing. And you and to my entrepreneur who's eleven years old today, I'll tell you this. There were a ton of people in the delivery room. A ton. We uh, I'm not gonna name them because I'm trying to keep this as as uh, what's it called? As uh not private, but like confidential as possible. You know, I don't. You'll know who they are, but you know, obviously your mom was there, your mom's sister was there, um, your grandma was there, your mom's mom. My oldest sister was there. My uh, dad's wife, Nana, she was there. My aunt, my 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 mom's oldest sister was there. Um, who else? Your, your couple of your great aunts were there. 
your, your mom had everyone in there as possible. As possible. Like, they're all sitting on, it was like a long room, they're all sitting on the couch or standing around, pretty much watching your mom deliver. And the, your mom's uh, OBGYN was there. I mean, the, the room was crowded. It was crowded. Your, and your mom made up a song for you guys. And she gave you your own little nickname. When, like, the first time we saw each one of you, luckily, your your mom's gynecologist, uh, he, he had a little sonogram machine in every single room, which is rare now. Or, you know, it still is rare. Usually, you only get, like, two sonograms the entire pregnancy. But every time we went to the doctor's office, he'd, you know, pull this little kind of rinky-dink machine, and he'd, you know, put, squirt the gel on the tummy, and, and he'd take a photo. And he, like, point to the heart, and, and so, the first time your mom sees you guys, she says, you look like something, and that's your, your little nickname. For you, my entrepreneur, your little nickname was Little Seed, Semiguita, and she would sing a song, which I'm not going to sing here, but you, and you know the song, so she'd sing it the entire pregnancy to you, like a cute little song she made up, the entire pregnancy, she would sing it. All the time. All day long. Oh my gosh. No, it's great. I'm being sarcastic. I, sometimes it's like, oh, please stop saying anything else. The moment you were born, the doctor said, I will let you call out whether it's a boy or a girl. And I, and me, I have no clue what that meant. So, I mean, the, your birth talk a lot about your birth. I will. I'm going to tell you your birth story. We, your mom had, was leaking a little bit a few days before. And I know you know the story, but just for the sake of, you know, posterity, your mom was leaking down there. We, and I, I kind of thought, no, maybe it's getting closer than, you know, we were about a month out. And so your mom and I did like a marathon work session at her office, I brought all my cases and I noted them up in case I had to like transfer my cases out. And the next day, she starts having uh, some contractions. But your mom doesn't know what contractions. This is your first. This is her first child. We don't know. We're, we are so aloof. Luckily, we had the baby shower like literally that weekend before. We still have gifts that haven't been opened. So she goes to the, um, she goes to the doctor. I went to. I didn't. By the way, I did not miss a single doctor's appointment with all four pregnancies. Not one. Maybe uh, maybe one. But but that's a lot of doctor's appointments for four kids. I moved heaven and earth to make sure I would go to every single one. I was at all of them. So we go to the doctor's office. I love her doctor. Her doctor is a sweet old man. Named, uh, I'll just say it because he's retired. Dr. Polito. I loved him. Such a good guy. He like walked in the room and said, Hello, how are you doing? He had like this hum to his voice. Like it was, everything's calm. You know, because you know, you walk into his office, you, you knew like with his 30 to 40 years experience, he's seen everything. So nothing can really, what is it called? Nothing can really uh, shock him or get him off his game. So he does a little swipe test on the leakage and 
it's like a litmus test. And he's like, oh, okay, that's amniotic fluid. And me and your mom are like, okay, so when's the next appointment? Next week? You know, we don't know. We don't know. I, I cannot emphasize this enough to you children. Your mom and I, as educated as we are, we really didn't know a lot. Well, that's why the first song we danced to at our, at our wedding was Don't Know Much by Aaron Neville and Linda Rodstadt. We, like, we want to humble ourselves. Your mom is a doctor. I'm an attorney. And we just don't know. There is There are volumes of things we just don't know. And so it was just funny. The doctor said, what? No. Baby's coming today. And it's just like, it's like we were struck by lightning. We're like, what? We don't have a baby bag. We just had the car seat. We don't know how to install it. We have like all these things rushing through our heads. He's like, I want you at the at Eden Hospital and at 4 p.m. sharp. And we're like, oh, okay. So we start calling, you know, um, everybody. Baby's coming today. And me and your mom's like, we don't have anything to do. Like, we're just going to be sitting around during the hospital stay. So we went to Target in, uh, in, in our hometown, and as your mom and I are walking around Target, she, she, <laughs> every so often, not, not consistently, but every so often she would stop, take a deep breath, and she's like, wow, that was, that was contraction. <laughs> and so, we, uh, which was funny, we ran into one of my, like, a couple people who was like, I thought, they're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And, but, uh, we go to Target, we buy, like, DVDs, and, like, a miniature DVD TV setup thing and some toiletries and change of clothes a bag we get and then we get some food because like the we think the hospital food sucks and, you know it really doesn't I hate that stereotype the food's actually not too bad so uh, your mom got some Jamba Juice and I went to like some place next door I, I don't remember the food it, it's not rem- it's not memorable but then we kind of moseyed ourselves to the hospital and and the uh, we get there like at five, and when we walk in, they already know we're coming. Like we're pre-registered, they know the doctor who only delivers at the, at the hospital um, was waiting for us. And I felt like we were late for class in like in high school because we walk in, and the nurse is like looking at us like the doctor's been waiting for you. Kind of, but like kind of playfully, it wasn't like they were that mad, but it was it was funny to us and the doctors. It felt like we disappointed a father figure, <laughs> and we felt so bad. But he, he laughed it off, and then nothing happened for many hours. There was a danger in nothing happening because your mom was leaking for so long. There was a danger that an effect, infection would happen, and then something would affect you. So it ended up becoming a very tense showdown between the doctor and your mom. The doctor saying we need to give you drugs to speed up delivery, which is it's a drug called Pitocin. Finally, your mom cracked. Uh, and I, I'm there on the sidelines. I'm When your mom says, I don't want to take Pitocin, I'm right next to her. I'm saying, she doesn't want to take Pitocin. Get the hell out of here. So, you know, I didn't say that to him, but it's my job to just to, to support your mom. That's it. And I'll get into all your other siblings' births as well, because it gets, yeah, kind of fun. So, eventually your mom and I make the decision to have her get Pitocin, which is a drug that speeds up delivery, it increases the 
the uh, increases the in, what is it called the intensity of the contractions and it speeds up delivery. And it's your mom's philosophy that if she's gonna if she's going to have unnatural contractions, she'll she'll take unnatural drugs. So, and I know you've heard the story before, and I know it's repetitive, but it's worth repeating. She gets Pitocin. It's it's hard because she hates needles. Your mom hates needles. Your mom really hates needles. Your mom hates needles. She and she tried. She's such got such a good heart. She tried so many times to to give blood. She she like she wants to give back so badly. I remember so many times I went with her to give blood, and they're like, oh, you can't do it because she passes out every time. Remember our good friend Vadim called me at Berkeley and um, said, hey, can you come pick Bonnie up? She passed out. And uh, my first reaction was, oh, she's probably giving blood, right? He's like, yeah, how do you know? So she has these IVs in her, giving her liquids. It's, I, I believe your mom felt completely um, defeated, which could not be further from the case. But, I mean, your mom's hard on herself. We know this. And so she decides to get the epidural. The epidural was interesting. They only allowed one person in. And so I barely outrank your grandma in that department. So I was able to be with your mom during the procedure to get her epidural in. The doctor had the thickest Russian accent I've ever seen like in my life. I think they, he learned English that morning. And he started, and he came in, and he was, like, explaining the procedure. And as the needle went in, again, remember what I said about needles and your mom? As, and the needle's huge. An epidural needle is, it looks like a pipe. So as the needle went in, your, your mom got a little, uh, oh, I don't want to say hysterical, because it's got, your mom went a little off the deep end and said a bunch of things. And one of the things she said was, I don't even want this baby. I didn't even want this baby, which she's just, you know, again, needles. So skip forward a, like an hour or so, and she delivers you. The doctor takes the baby out. Remember when I said the doctor said I, I get to call out the gender? You come out. He covers your private area from, you know, the enormous audience and shows it to me. Uh, I'm sobbing, tears of joy again. I, I couldn't like believe it. I, I was so just proud and excited and happy and and nervous and stressed and like the emotions. And I'm not a very emotional person, but the emotions are dialed up to a thousand percent. And so he shows me you, and I pause a little too long, and I was like, oh, it's a girl. And they wrap you up, and then I, I lift you up, and I and I don't remember doing this, but everyone else says I did this, so it, that must be true. I my head was in a whirlwind. I was just fixated on you, but I, I held you up. I dedicated you to God, and I said, I don't, I don't think I said, "Behold," that'd be a little too melodramatic. But I said, "This is Liddy." I gotta edit that out. But I said, "This is," and your full name. Uh, and, uh, and then I, um, what did I do? Then, uh, I, they, they put the baby, um, I think this is afterwards because they immediately put you on your mom. So I, I did it a little bit afterwards, um, that I presented you to God and then everyone else in the room, but they, 
when you were born, please show me the gender, then they immediately put you on your mom. I'm gonna see what time it is, because I, I have to edit that name out. Is that 16 minutes? So, I, uh, anyways, they put you on your mom, your mom immediately starts singing that song, and you smile. There's a smile. And neurologically, everyone says babies can't smile, but I, I really think that they that they smiled, um, that, that you smiled from hearing that your mom's voice and that song, that song that I heard a few million times. And and then I guess the rest is history. We we, we had uh, we spent the next day and a half at the hospital. The nursing staff was great. I found it amazing that as soon as you were born, they, they, they put like a bracelet on you, which is it's kind of like a car alarm. And they put a bracelet on me and your mom. So to prevent kidnapping, you know, in case, like if you crossed a threshold, if someone brought you across the threshold, it would sound like, it would be like as loud as a car alarm and like security come running. I found that interesting. A lot of things pop up in my head, kind of like firing off my neurons. It's 7.30 in the morning, so it's hard for me to be concise and speak linearly about your birth. And it's hard because I remember the other three births as well, but none so much as yours because it had such a profound impact on me because you turned me into a father. And so I'm everyone was crying, so happy, and I'm so glad I got the girl. I, I, gotta, I gotta say, I wanted five daughters. I wanted five daughters so badly. Growing up with so many sisters, you watch a lot of musicals, and I was just, I wanted to be Reptavia from Fiddler on the Roof. I wanted five daughters, because if you're a good dad, your daughters will love you forever. They will just cherish you, and I'm, I think I'm a good dad. I know you love me. I'm, that's unquestionable. No matter where you are in your life, I don't think there's ever going to be, I, I hope you know that I, that I know you love, that you love me. Even if you're mad at me, or if even, let's say we have a falling out, or you haven't talked to me in years, I'll just say this ahead of time, I know beyond any doubt that you love me with all your heart, even if you're mad at me. And you know, if you're mad at me right now, you're listening to this 30 years later, I'm sure you have every right to be mad at me. Uh, what a jerk I've been. I don't even know. I don't know. Anyways. So the next a couple a couple days later and this blew my mind it blew my mind a nurse comes in she makes sure that we know how to put you in the car seat so we put you in the car seat she's like okay it's time to go and that blew my mind you're letting us take this beautiful child home like I, I couldn't fathom the fact that oh we get to take you home it just I um it was amazing it's amazing brought you home, you had no clue what to do, the next day we brought you to a pizza place for a party, and I remember your, my second oldest niece, as of today, she has two little boys, she had her uh, second boy uh, about a month, less than a month ago, but her husband, Jay, always tells the story that you're the first baby he held, because we went to some party, and Jay was there with my niece, and I came in and I was like, hey, Jay, and I literally just put you on him. I was like, you hold her. 
and he, he it's the first baby he ever held. I was like, you do it. I don't know. Um, I was never, I was never soft and delicate with you for a lot of reasons. And I'll tell you one, one thing I used to do, and it was really hard on me, but one of the things I used to do is whenever you, you know, when you're a toddler and older and not so much now, you're, you're 10 or you're 11 now. So if you fell and hurt yourself, I'd come running. But when you're a little, little and you're walking, trying toddling around, if you ever fell and hurt yourself, I wouldn't run to get you. I would come up to you and I would, I would pretty much say the same thing. I said, get up. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to be here forever. Get on your own two feet. Do it yourself. The world owes you nothing. So toughen up now. And I would say that, and and, uh, it was kind of hard for a while doing that. But I remember one time, I think you were five, and you fell pretty hard in front of my friends. And you skin your knee, and I think blood... Well, there was some blood. I don't know if it was, it was like, dripping or anything, but there was blood. And you cried a little bit, but then you got, uh, like, my friend's like, oh, you should, should you go to her? I was like, no, 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 just watch this. And you got up, you brushed yourself off, and then you walked into the house with a stiff upper lip. I was, like, nothing would make me prouder. So anyways. So today we are reading chapters, I think, 22 on for a little bit. Maybe I should try and... I'll read a few chapters right now. I've only... I've talked for a good while. I, I literally talked between uh, getting in my car and, and then driving to the... to my office. I was going to go home, but... but I want to get a few things done before I... before I get... Uh, get to the office. So I'm at the office right now. So let me just look at this... Where are we? Chapter 22. Let's see. Maybe we'll read a few chapters. 22 through 25, I hope. Let's do that. <clears throat> Chapter 22 of Exodus. Did I read this? I think I read... Nope. <clears throat> I thought I did, because I mentioned Oxford. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If a thief is found, breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. He shall surely pay. If he has nothing then, he shall be sold for his theft. If the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed over, or lets his beast loose and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best. Let's see. He shall make restitution from the best in his own field and in his own vineyard. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns so that the stacked grain or the standing grain or the field is consumed, he who started the fire shall make full restitution. If a man gives to his neighbor money or goods to keep safe, and it is stolen from the man's house, then if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is, thief is not found, the owner of the house shall come near to God to show whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. For every breach of trust, whether it is for an ox, 
for a donkey, for a sheep, for a cloak, or for any other kind of lost thing of which one says, This is it. The case of both parties shall come before God. The one whom God condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man gives to his neighbor a donkey, or an ox, or a sheep, or any beast to keep safe, and it dies, or is injured, or is driven away without anyone seeing it, an oath by the Lord shall be between them both to see whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. The owner shall accept the oath, and he shall not make restitution. But if it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to its owner. If it is torn by beasts, let him bring it as evidence. He shall not make restitution for what has been torn. If a man borrows anything for his neighbor, and it is injured or dies, the owner not being with it, he shall make full restitution. If the owner was with it, he shall not make restitution. If it was hired, it came for its hiring fee. If a man seduces a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall give the bride price for her and make her his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give him, give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the bride price for virgins. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal, I guess these are just one by one rules. So, you shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. Whoever sacrifices to any god other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money... To any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a moneylender to him, and you shall not exact interest from him. If ever you take your neighbor's cloak and pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body, and what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. You shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. You shall not delay to offer from the fullness of your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. You shall do the same with your oxen, with your sheep. Seven days it shall be with its mother. On the eighth day you shall give it to me. You shall be consecrated to me. Therefore you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. Let's see something... Chapter 23. You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit, siding with the many so as to pervert justice, nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it for him. You shall not pervert the justice due to your poor in his lawsuit. Keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. And you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. You shall not oppress a sojourner. You know the heart of a sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. 
For six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield. But the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat. And what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. Pay attention to all that I have said to you, and make no mention of the names of other gods, nor let it be heard on your lips. Three times in the year you shall keep a feast to me. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. As I commanded you, you shall eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty-handed. You shall keep the feast of harvest of the first fruits of your labor, of what you sow in the field. You shall keep the feast of ingathering at the end of the year, when you gather in from the field the fruit of your labor. Three times in the year you shall shall all your males appear before the Lord God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened, or let the fat of my feast remain until the morning. The feast of the first fruits of your gourd ground, not gourd, um, you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror because or before you, and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the wilderness to the Euphrates, for I will give the inhabitants of the land into your land, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Chapter 24. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the seventy and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the, of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings 
and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. <coughs> and Moses took half the blood and put it in the basins, and half the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all of these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the seventy of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven, for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, I, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you, and behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain, in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Chapter, I'm going to end with chapter 25. The Lord said to Moses, Speak for the, to the people of Israel, that they may take from me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze. Blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned, uh, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, and the stones for setting for the ephod and the breastpiece. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you, may, so you shall make it. They shall make an ark of acacia wood, two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold, Inside and outside you shall overlay it, and you shall make on it a molding of the gold around it. You shall cast four rings of gold for it, and put them on uh, four feet, put them on its four feet, two rings on one side of it, and two rings on the other side of it. You shall make poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold, and you shall put the poles into the rings on the side of the ark, so that the ark, uh, sides of the ark, to carry the ark by them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark the testimony that I shall give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its breadth. You shall make two cherubim of gold. Of hammered work shall you make them on the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub on one end and one cherub on the other end. Of one piece with the mercy seat shall you make the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings. Their faces, one to another, toward the mercy seat, shall the, the faces of the cherubim be. And you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. 
There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you, and commandment for the people of Israel. You shall make a table of akasha wood. Two cubits shall be its length, uh, a cubit its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay with pure gold, and make a molding of gold around it. And you shall make a rim around it in a handbreadth wide, and a molding of gold around the rim. And you shall make for it four rings of gold, and fasten the rings to the four corners at its four legs. Close to the frame the rings shall lie, as holders of the poles to carry the table. You shall make the poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold. And the table shall be carried with these, and you shall make its plates and dishes for incense, and its flagoons and bowls with which to pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold, and you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. You shall make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be made of hammered work. Its base, its stem, its cups, its calyxes, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. And there shall be six branches going out of its sides. Three branches of the lampstand out uh, of one side, and three branches of the lampstand out of the other side of it. Three cups made like almond blossoms, each with calyx and flower. Calyx. Uh, on one branch... And three cups made like almond blossoms, with each calyx and flower on the other branch. So for the six branches going out of the lampstand. And on the lampstand itself there shall be four cups made like almond blossoms, with their calyxes and flowers and a calyx, and of one piece with it under each pair of the six branches going out from the lampstand. Their calyxes and their branches shall be of one piece with it, the whole of it a single piece of hammered work of pure gold. You shall make seven lamps for it, and the lamps shall be set up so as to give light on the space in front of it. Its tongs and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made with all these utensils out of a talent of pure gold. And see that you make them after the pattern for them, which is being shown you on the mountain. We're going to end it there. It's about 8 o'clock, and I've been talking for 38 minutes. Oh, it's a record. I'm going to go in the office, edit this, put it up, and... Uh, Later on today, when I get home, I imagine you and your three younger brothers will be playing something called Roblox, because one of the things you wanted done today is you wanted to play Roblox all day with your brothers. So we're going to let that happen, and I think you want Togo's for lunch. I also want an iPod, which we're trying to explain how you get it, and you're kind of not liking the, the requirements, but I have faith you're going to get it. And this Saturday, you instead of a party, you want us to rent a limo and ride around in it. So I think we're trying to find the limo for you. I think we found it. So I love you. Sorry, this is more geared towards you, entrepreneur. But uh, namesake, king, and spy, I love you too. I'm excited. We're we're gonna hear about the spy coming up the next. Oh, not not Exodus, but maybe Deuteronomy, but. We're going to find out um, why why we named you the spy. So, hope you have a blessed day. Um, I You know, I, I want to keep repeating. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. And in everything you do, do it for the kingdom and the king.
fasting and the feast A call to give and to serve and celebrate For you are great, oh my God, you are great So I pledge to know and love you above all So